0: Do a great job. Again, Merry Christmas. I'd like to share with you a passage of scripture that's going to be very, very familiar to you. It's Isaiah chapter nine, verses six and seven. And I'm calling tonight's message the wonderful name of Jesus. In Isaiah chapter nine, in verse six, it says. For unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. The story of the birth of Jesus has been told in every generation, though the miracles surrounding his birth took place 2000 years ago. It was even centuries before that in the making. As a matter of fact, in the very beginning, God gave promises that a man would come, a messiah. The first Christmas was actually promised in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve had sinned and they were driven from paradise. And the Lord God promised that the seed of Eve would crush the head of the serpent in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. The child would be a descendant of first Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and then Judah When Jacob blessed his children, he described Judah this way in Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 and 9. On his deathbed, Jacob told his son Judah, you are he whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children shall bow down to you. And then he says these words. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He bows down. He lies down as a lion. And as a lion who shall rouse him. The prophecy describes Judah in the place of prominence among his brethren. And even among his descendants. The comparison that Jacob draws is to a young lion's club. Cub, not club. A young lion's cub, it grows on the prey that's been provided to him by his mother. And he grows in power and strength. And then Judas' prominence is compared to an old lion. Mature, seasoned, gray. But when he crouches down, even to rest, he is so dangerous. That none dare attack him. In Genesis 49 verse 10 it says that the scepter would not depart from Judah nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come and unto him shall be the gathering of the people. And Shiloh is an ancient Hebrew word that meant in part the person whose right it is or to whom belongs the right Judah was entrusted with a royal crown until the coming of Shiloh. To him who belongs the right. To him who deserves the crown. The coming of the Messiah would please some and anger others. But Isaiah would later say in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 3. The Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your Rising. And so when Isaiah says, for unto us, a child is born unto us, a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder. And look what it says. And his name will be called wonderful. You know, I've always been fascinated by the meaning of names. As a matter of fact, when God created Adam and he placed him in the garden, Adam's first job was to name the animals, which was no small task. It continues with something very, very interesting. We see throughout the Bible that the meaning of names describes something about a person's character. Adam itself means The red man or the man who's made from clay. Isaac means laughter. Jacob means deceiver. Moses means drawn out. Jabez means sorry. People don't name their children based on the meaning of the names anymore. As a matter of fact, if you look at the name Mary, it means bitter. If you look at the name Geno, it means the cattle have all died. Some parents can be really cruel in the things that they name their children. We see in Isaiah's prediction the two natures of the Messiah. The humanity of Jesus, a child is born. The deity of Jesus, a son, is given. The prophet jumps from his humble birth to his glorious reign in a single sentence when he rules Jerusalem in perfect peace. And you know what the name wonderful means. It means pleasant, good, Last night, I took our grandchildren to the Denver Zoo to see the zoo lights. And it was wonderful to see moms and dads with their strollers and their children. And you see two-year-olds and three-year-olds. Oh, look at the light. And you see 60 and 70-year-olds going, look at the lions, look at the tigers, look at the bears. Oh, my. There's this sense of wonder. Years ago, when people still took trains a man was overhood saying every few minutes, "That's wonderful, that's beautiful. Did you see that? That's amazing." The passing scenery, the fields, the farms, the most ordinary images brought exclamations of joy and delight. And finally, one traveler, overcome by curiosity, asked him, "How is it that the while the rest of us are worn out on this monotonous trip, that you?" Are having the time of your life. You keep saying wonderful, and he answered, until a few days ago. I was a blind man, and a wonderful doctor, a great doctor, restored my sight. And what is ordinary to the rest of you is incredible to me. And I think that that's how it is sometimes at Christmas time the ordinary. The mundane. You've seen the lights and the Christmas trees and you've heard the stories. But somehow they've grown old and routine. Have the sights and sounds of Christmas blurred your vision or dulled your hearing? Has the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus lost its wonder? In Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 23, he quotes from this book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. He says, behold, a virgin will be with child and will bear a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. The angel of the Lord then instructed Joseph to take his wife, Mary, in verse 25. And it says, and he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. That's the Greek form of the Hebrew name. Yehoshua, or Yeshua, or Joshua. The meaning of the name is that it is Jehovah is salvation. In the New Testament, the people wondered at his gracious words in Luke chapter 4, verse 22. They wondered at his works of power in Matthew 15, 31. They wondered when he healed the sick in Matthew chapter 9, verse 8. They wondered when he calmed the storm. They wondered at his miracles. Even today in our jaded culture... And deeply depressed society. You can hear music being played even on the secular station, CeeLo. Well, I was driving today and he was singing, Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? In the song, he says, The blind will see, the lame will walk, the dead will live again. And I'm thinking. How many people listening right now have any clue to what he's saying? There's wonder in the name of Jesus. There's wonder in his birth. There's wonder in his life. There's wonder in his miracles. There's wonder in his transfiguration. There's wonder in his death. And there's wonder in his resurrection and his ascension into heaven. No wonder his name is called wonderful. And in this very passage, look what it says. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. There's not only wonder in his name, there is wisdom in his name. Look at that word counselor. We know that Jesus is always available. We know that Jesus is willing to give us his undivided attention we know that Jesus is willing to offer comfort to the hurting and guidance to the people who are confused and you walk in a world that is filled with darkness and he becomes light. You walk in a world where sin has made its way. It has inundated our lives and our circumstances and we wonder whether or not our sin can be forgiven and whether our guilt can be removed. Jesus isn't simply content to offer us guidance. He will empower us for the task at hand. It was Barbara Ryberg who wrote this very pleasant statement. She said, He does not lead me year by year, nor even day by day, but step by step, my path unfolds. My Lord directs my way. Tomorrow's plans I do not know. I only know this minute But he will only say, this is the way. By faith walk ye in it. And I am glad that it is so today enough to bear. And when tomorrow comes, his grace shall far exceed its care. What need to worry then or fret? The God who gave his son holds all my moments in his hand. And gives them one by one. If you've ever said, I need help. I need hope. I need direction. I need a way out of the darkness and into the light. There's not only... Wonder in his name and wisdom in his name. There's wealth in his name. Look what else he's called the mighty God. This is amazing. Jesus has been given all power in heaven and earth in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen, he called upon the people to believe that everything has been entrusted to him the apostle Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 1 verse 15 and 16 he that is Jesus is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven that are on the earth things that are visible things that are invisible whether thrones or dominions or Or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. The Bible says, and in him, everything has its its existence. The chair you're sitting on. The floor that supports the chair. The ground that supports the floor. The vet night, which is a little unstable, so hold on. The earth will shake. Jesus has created the very, very big. And he has created the very, very small. Did you know that if the molecules in one drop of water could somehow become grains of sand? You could build a highway a half a mile wide, 12 inches thick from New York to San Diego. There is wealth. Because all things have been entrusted to him. The child and the son are the mighty God. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus says I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. It says I am he who was and is and is to come. The Almighty. It was Daniel Webster of dictionary fame who wrote. If you want to feel rich. Just count up all the things that you have that money can't buy. You see, some of you still have your wife and you still have your husband and you still have your children and you still have your grandchildren. You still have things that you can hold on to other than grief and sorrow. Not only do we see the wonder in His name and the wisdom in His name and the wealth of His name, but the worship of His name. He is called the Everlasting Father. And you might ask the question, how is it possible that the Messiah can be both child and son and father? It's because Jesus is the Everlasting Father of salvation. He is the author and the originator of redemption. Jesus said, If you have seen me, you have seen the father. And by the way, the basic human needs are work and play and love and worship. Unless you're a girl, it's also shopping can be on the list. William Temple wrote. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God. To feed the mind with the truth of God. To purge the imagination by the beauty of God. To open up the heart to the love of God. To devote the will to the purpose of God. And once you understand the identity of Jesus. Once you understand the majesty and the miracle of his name. Once you understand the wonder and the wisdom and the wealth. You have no other choice but to worship him. But we also see the welcome in his name. Look what it says, the Prince of Peace. Wonder, wisdom, wealth, worship, welcome, Prince of Peace. The Savior comes to bring rest and peace, and you never understand how problematic that is until you live in a world of conflict and you live in a world of intimidation and you live in a world of threat and you live in a world of violence. But Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, come to me and I will give you peace. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But guess what? Real peace finds its origin, not in the governments of men, but in heaven itself. God isn't the author of confusion, but of peace. Peace is in part a manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit, because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Peace is also the product of the cross. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 15 and 16 it talks about he is our peace. He has made peace by the cross. Because you see the truth is that there are several wars that are taking place in the universe. And the one that preoccupies heaven. Is the rebellion and the estrangement of the human heart who refuses to submit to the God of love. That's why the Bible says grace and mercy and peace. Grace and mercy and peace are the trio of Christmas blessings. Grace is love planning to bless. Mercy is love acting. And peace is love that can be enjoyed. And that's why he's the prince of peace. Because he brings a love that can be enjoyed. There was a widow who had rest and peace put on her husband's tombstone. She said, honey, rest in peace. And then she discovered that he left her out of his will. So she added at the bottom of the tombstone. Until I get there. (laughs) Ouch. You know, fathers learn from a very, very early age. Fathers learn that daughters need love and protection. That's what papas learn. Grandpas learn. Little girls need love and protection. In their teen years girls want excitement. In their 20s they want romance. In 30s they want appreciation. In 40s they want sympathy, but in their 50s they just want cash. <laughs> and in their 60s it all comes back. Girls want love and protection. It was Oswald Chambers who was a very famous devotional writer who was a chaplain in the British Army. He wrote, Thousands of people in this world profess to be happy without God. But if we could be truly happy and moral without Jesus, then why did he come? He came because that kind of happiness and peace is only superficial. Jesus Christ came to bring a sword. Through every kind of peace. That is not based on a personal relationship with himself. If there is pain and if there is conflict. If there's a profound and conspicuous absence of joy. And peace in your life, it could very well be because you haven 't made peace with God. you know in the book of Isaiah, we find the prince of peace in chapter nine, verse six. We find the perpetuity of peace. It says in verse seven of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end aren't you glad it says it in the Bible of his government if if, if it said it about our government, it would say and Of the increase of debt, there will be no end. That's the way it looks. But Jesus brings a government. Where all the accounts are paid in full. The Bible says... There's also perfection in peace. You shall keep him in perfect peace, it says in Isaiah 26, 3. In Isaiah 26:12, it says the power of peace. Lord, you will ordain peace for us. And then there's the possessor of peace in, in Isaiah chapter 27, verse 5. And he shall make peace with me. But what is interesting is... The prince of peace and the perpetuity of peace and the perfection of peace and the power of peace and the possessor of peace is all set in the backdrop of the price of peace. In Isaiah 54, 13, it says. The chastisement of our peace. Was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed J. I. Packer the famous theologian wrote the Christmas message is that there's hope for a ruined humanity there's hope of pardon and hope of peace with God and hope of glory because at the father's will Jesus Christ became poor and was born in a stable so that 30 years later He might hang on a cross. When I was in the 10th grade, I wrote a poem. It was before I even was a Christian. It was a class assignment in English write a Shakespearean sonnet. It was Christmas. And I wrote a light. A star upon the earth tonight while all is dark and earth is sleeping still. Come see. Behold the blessed beauty bright, and all the heavens host. Proclaim his will for unto you an infant child is born. Come see the king. Come see the son of God. Whose fate would one day wear a crown of thorns. Yet faith would make his father nod. He loved and he died for all men. God bless this king. This babe. of Bethlehem. I got an A. But my heart was still empty. Is it possible for an unsaved person to write something like that? I did. I didn't know him and I didn't love him. But God was preparing my heart. To receive Him. To know Him. It's become a kind of a tradition for us, for me to read this, my final poem. T'was the night before Christmas in David's hometown. The city was crammed with people pressed down. Joseph and Mary searched seeking some room. Her belly so swollen, a child in her womb. Pilgrims were piled on top of each other, flesh pressing flesh, children, fathers and mothers with patience and prayer. The couple conceded, personal privacy is desperately needed. The innkeeper sighed and said, we're unable to provide a shelter, just this simple stable and surrounded by cattle and goats in a manger. Things continued to worsen and soon got stranger. When all of a sudden contractions, they came muscles contorted and twisted in pain. Both mother and father were weeping and crying the pain and the horror. She felt she was dying. But she pushed. And she pushed. And the baby did come. A beautiful baby. A beautiful son. And she wrapped her new baby in swaddling clothes And remembered the name that the angel had chose his name will be Jesus, the savior of all Emmanuel rock redeemer recall and voices were heard from angels on high proclaiming God's word from Bethlehem's sky and the angels appeared to the shepherds by night. Attending their flocks beheld the great sight glory to God and goodwill toward all men, a savior, redeemer, deliver from sin and the child who was dressed in the swaddling clothes. He listened and listened to the praise and the prose from the cries of his mother and the songs that were sung glimpsed into the future across where he hung. And the prophets and poets and pundits and people all crammed into churches with pews and their steeples would listen to preachers and point to their stories about saving grace and all of God's glories. But who would have guessed on the night before Christmas that most of the world would have certainly missed us because Jesus, oh, Jesus is nowhere in sight as the day in the darkness slips into the night on the night before Christmas in a freshly swept stable, the blood and the sweat and the cries, if we're able, we miss the whole point of what we've done and the need for a savior and the need for a son. Perhaps on this Christmas, we'll remember what's real. We'll remember the purpose. We'll remember the deal of why Jesus came to an earth such as ours to deliver our souls In this fateful hour. And so when your Christmas comes with great cheer. Remember your soul. Remember my dear. Remember the Savior who came in the night. And remember your sin as it slips out of sight. And Merry Christmas. To all. And to all. A good night. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. When we think about the wonder. And we think about the wisdom. And we think about the wealth. All we can do. Is worship. Lord when we. Seriously consider. That a real Jesus came into a real world. That the possibility of joy, the possibility of peace, the possibility of hope, and the possibility of forgiveness became real. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray even now that by your Holy Spirit, you will speak to that dark heart, Lord, that you would fill it with light. To the person who is empty in their heart, Lord, I pray that you would fill their heart with a sense of your presence and your love. And for the person who needs a counselor and they have a guilty heart, Lord, I pray that Jesus would extend forgiveness, redemption and hope. And Heavenly Father, we pray, we pray, we pray that on this, the night before Christmas, That, Lord, we would remember what it means to know you and to love you. And that, Lord, we would extend that joy and extend that love to our family, to our friends. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing Silent Night. I hope that the ushers have given you candles. If you have an iPhone, there's an app for that.